Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Well, when I first checked out today's guest on YouTube to see whether I would care to invite her or not, I was struck by her brightness, energy, and realness. And I immediately thought, yeah, I could have a good conversation with her. Well, I was more than right, as I went on to have a highly enjoyable and valuable discussion with Christmas Hutchinson. We've been talking recently of resilience on this show, so Christmas, while having been booked for a long time now, and her book, The Resilient Mind, came right on cue. Throughout the interview, I heard so many things that were so true and might even sound obvious, but that she gave subtly novel perspective on, framing them in fresh and fundamental terms. Meditation as dusting or vacuuming one's mind of the negative energy that piles up from interacting with people. Affirmation lists to overcome negative self-talk and toxic people. Trade-offs in life and choosing oneself. Being proud of how we're spending our time. And then even on the popular concept of gratitude, Christmas offers deeper level thought about it than just the usual lip service it gets. And then there were countless other nuggets that had me smiling and shaking my head, you know, in the, in the nodding kind of way. In all, I came away with fresh ways to think about things I thought I knew well and now have a clearer and more powerful grasp on. With the practical conceptions, tools, and advice offered by Christmas, I think I'm now sharper at being intentional about my life as I advocate on the show. And let me tell you, beyond just the valuable insight, if you don't at least come away feeling better about yourself just by listening to her and more optimistic about your life and the prospects in it, I don't know what else I can do for you. So please enjoy the inspiring and practical message of Christmas Hutchinson. Hi, everybody. Welcome now to our interview. I'm joined by Christmas Hutchinson. Christmas is a high energy management consultant, executive coach, and author of The Resilient Mind, a field guide to a healthier way of life. She is passionate about helping high achievers overcome imposter syndrome to confidently achieve a fulfilling career as a means to find balance in all areas of their lives. Christmas specializes in resilience and design thinking with a proven track record of strategic thought leadership. She has over 18 years of combined experience in advising, teaching, training, coaching, facilitating, and leading presentations with diverse audiences across multiple industries. Before starting her own practice, Christmas worked in corporate strategy as a competitive intelligence leader at Verizon Media. Additionally, Christmas spent eight years as a risk and regulatory management consultant for PwC, advising the world's largest financial institutions in process improvement and strategic operations. Now, that's a whole lot, Christmas. <laughs> now, I'm very pleased to have you on here. Thanks for coming and making the time. Well, thank you for inviting me to your show. All right. Well, I'll tell you about that. I, I want to say straight off that what drew me to invite you on, uh, you know, besides your expertise on uh, is, is your positive energy. You know, it says high energy consultant and in your <laughs> bio. And, and I watched some of your videos and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I like her. I want to talk to this girl. Right. So uh, and, and really in your videos, what I saw as real 
very practical advice for, for real people, if I can put it like that. And I want to tell you something else, incidentally, on top that, uh, you know, you and I have been booked for this show for quite, a, quite some time now. But it turns out that just recently, I've been thinking a lot on the theme of resilience. Um, and I mean, even out loud on this show. Um, and then look at the title of your book. It's The Resilient Mind. So it's just perfect timing uh, where we're at here now. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know how, exactly how to start. And I just thought, why not allow your book to be our guide, be our guide. I noticed there's 15 chapters and maybe we might mm-hmm. run through them more or less. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as you can break down what's in them for us and break open our conversation. So how does that sound? That sounds wonderful. Well, before we dive all into that, and um, why would you say first that you are qualified to give career advice and speak on resilience? I mean, I mean, your, your bio speaks for itself. I just mean more of your personal story and experience and what even got you to think in terms of resilience? So it started, I can't believe the amount of time that has passed, but I started getting into this resilience thing um, just through life. And for me, it happened in late 2014 when I was diagnosed with cancer a week after I had my finalization of my divorce. And it was a couple of months after I had been passed over for promotion. So for me, that point in my life was rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And especially a person like me, who's a high achiever, who's like checking boxes, MBA, marriage, house, like just doing all the things, you know, and to get to that point and just be like, wait, what, what, what did I do wrong? You know, or what, 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 this is not what I expected. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? When you, when you think you're planning your life. And so at that point in my life, um, I had to make some decisions on where I was going to bounce, how, how I was going to deal with this, Mm -hmm. like a health issue, you know, a loss of marriage, which is, is, is a huge situation. I, you know, you, 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 no one gets married to get divorced. And when you do get divorced, it is a, it's, it's a, it's a situation. And so during that time when I was going through cancer treatment, which was almost a year, I was healing from healing myself, plus healing my broken heart and just trying to get through the, the loss, like, you know, just trying to figure out, make heads or tails of it. And so at that time, I learned some things to help me get through to the next day. And people kept saying, you're so resilient, you're so resilient. And some of those things were like staying positive and having gratitude and recognizing that even though I had cancer, that there were people who had worse cancer than me, you know? So I started to get into this, this rhythm of a different lifestyle because I had a mindset of like, push, 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 push. Um, Everything's supposed to go a certain way. And if it didn't, I would be frustrated. And what was happening is I changed my mindset and people kept saying, you're so resilient. You're taking this so well. If I were you, I would be you know, crying, or I just would have given up. And I'm like, oh, well, people don't normally do this. And so then that's when I started to be more inspired about talking to people more about their mindset. And then a a few years later, I decided to write my book because I found that I kept coaching and mentoring people on the same things. And so I was like, you know what? Let me just put it in a book because 
people needed. And this is what I needed. And if that were me, you know, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I would have loved to have a book like that. So that's how I came up with The Resilient Mind. Man, I love it. It's just right on. I mean, I'm, that's what the show is all about. It's about changing or maybe more developing, refining a mindset. I mean, it's everything. So uh, let's get into it then. Uh, the opening mm-hmm. chapter is self-preservation is paramount to resilience. So what does that mean? Why is it paramount? Give us some of that, please. It's paramount. What I learned um, as a result of this journey through resilience is that I wasn't resilient because I wasn't putting me first. I didn't have any boundaries. I was living to please other people. I was you waiting for other people to validate me before I validated myself. And that and, and it sounds like crazy, like how could you do that? But the truth is I meet people all the time who are worried about pleasing other people and are are hurt and don't know what to do because they're not being validated by the things that are outside of them. And so what I realize is that when when you turn it back on yourself and you put yourself first, you're able to be there for other people. When you're not there for yourself, people will just use you and abuse you. And it's not like they're doing it on purpose. It's just that that's how you, that's what you've taught them to do. Yeah. So that is why I say it is number one. That's it's paramount. Right. Big time. And I, so I suppose then that the field guide to a healthier life, you're referring to the self-preservation focus on oneself. And we might say the rest of the book is, reflects that in practical terms. Is that what we're doing here? Yes. All yes. right. Let's get on it then. Uh, chapter <laughs> two. I, and I was a little surprised by this. The, the immediate chapter after is meditate regularly. And, um, and I'm very interested in this because it's something else that I'm very newly looking into uh, meditation. <laughs> what do you mean by meditation and, and why do you, and do you consider it a must? I consider it a must to do. Uh, it's, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like I find, I fall off of my meditation practice every now and then, but you know what, what happens is, is that I will get into a stretch of bad days and days where I'm like, like life is yeah. annoying. And then I'm like, what's different in my life? And it'll be meditation. And so for me, meditation is important because it's like, you know, when you sweep your house and you dust your home, it's like you're you're cleaning up all the dust particles, the negative energy, the the energy that you're getting off of other people, people nagging at you, the stuff that you hear on the news. People don't realize that just being and interacting with people, you're picking up things that are weighing you down. And I believe, and it has worked for me, that when you meditate, even if it's five minutes a day, it helps like clean that out and like helps you reset. So it's not like you piling more and more junk onto your mindset or onto, onto your energy. If that, if that makes sense. It does actually Um, put, put like that is actually making me, cause I fall off as well in my practice. It's again, I'm just starting out and in some days I'm just kind of like, ah, well, I've got other things to do, but it's put like that. It's it's making me think, oh, I'd better do it. So yes, it's one of those things where we take sense. Yeah, we take care of our homes. We we wash our cars. We we I vacuum every day. And to me, I feel like meditation is vacuuming every day. <laughs> it's like yeah. cleaning my mind every day. And it doesn't have to be. People get intimidated by it because they think, oh, I can't sit there for twenty minutes. 
And it's like, you don't have to do that. And when I first started meditating, I, I started doing one minute at a time, <laughs> like until I was able to grow to two minutes. And now I can do 20 minutes and I'm like, oh, that's it. And I set a timer. So I know that I'm not, you know, so that when the yeah, bell yeah. rings, I'm like, oh, I've been here for 20 minutes. I can go longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, you said one minute and build. That's why they call it a practice, isn't it? So. Uh, you've got now chapter three um, and, and then five. It seems to that they emphasize physical health there. Don't avoid the doctor. I'm jumping to five and find an exercise you like. Why is right. physical health essential to resilience? Well, from what I learned uh, with my cancer diagnosis is that if you do not have your health, you can't do nothing. Like you can't go to work. You can't enjoy things. You have to take your health seriously. And I know so many people, and in my book, I talk about people in my life that didn't take their health seriously and they did not live as a result. And so with resilience, you when you want to do the things that you want to do in life and you want to have progress in your life, you need vibrancy. And so in order to have vibrancy, you, you have to take care of your health, drink water, um, you know, make sure that baseline things are okay. Like you don't, you're not diabetic. And if you are, then you are getting attention to that. So that's why it's important. And physical activity on top of that is important because that's how you build up your vibrancy. If you're just sitting around all the time, you're always going to be tired. And, and it's kind of like the chicken or the egg thing where people are like, well, I'm tired. So I don't feel like exercising. But it's like if you exercise, you will get energy. <laughs> yes. It's tough. It's tough to get. Um, now, is that then this finding exercise you like then is important? Is that presumably about adding adding to your life instead of the drudgery and duty of exercise? Is that what you're saying? Yes. So people think like, and, the, well, and this has to do with our lifestyles and social media where people look on online and they're like, wow, in order to exercise, I need to do CrossFit and I need to be lifting all this weight and running marathons and all this stuff. And when you start to think about that, that's intimidating. Yep. So that's why I say, find something you like. What If it's walking for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, or if it's doing yoga, just find something you like. Don't don't like get force fed something you see mm -hmm. um, because if you, if you see something that you think you're supposed to do, you're not going to like it. And then you're not going to exercise. Oh man, I got it. Okay. Uh, number four, we're jumping back. I hope I don't lose everybody. I almost lost myself. Jump back to four, spend time <laughs> resetting. Now I'm really big on this, this reset. What does that look like for you? So what it looks like for me, and this is something that I was forced to reset by having to go through cancer treatment. <laughs> and so when, so when I realized like, wow, I'm not worried about work and I was in consulting at the time. And so I was traveling every week on an airplane, getting up at four in the morning on Monday mornings and working 10 hour days for four days straight. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, resetting is really taking a day, especially when I can feel myself becoming tired being okay with taking a day to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's a reset for me. So I can work four or five days and there's, you know, we, your weeks are going to be different. There are going to be some weeks where you're really overexerting your brain. And then there are other weeks that you won't, but on those, 
those weeks that I'm overexerting my brain and I'm feeling it, I will literally not do anything for like on Sunday. And when I say nothing, that means I'm not cleaning my house. I'm not going to hang out with friends. I'm not doing work. I'm just vegging out and watching TV. I'm not even going to read. Like, I'm just going to let inter- let the world entertain me so I can just reset. And so that's really what, how I do it. Wow. I've got to say, that's why having these things written out or, or in a book um, so that they're, they're um, what is it? Oh my God, explicit. Anyway, um, explicit for me. And then reminding myself of doing it because you learn these things along the way. You see that they work and then you don't kind of take make a record of it. And just recently, I was a little ill, just a stomach illness or whatever, and I had to lie out in bed. And I wasn't able to, you know, I was stressed about not being able to keep up on a lot of my work. And I experienced the same thing where, I got a little better and then I was enjoying a day of just, I couldn't do anything. I had no energy, but I wasn't quite sick and I just vegged out and I really saw I was much better at all my other work coming in the, in the week, the week to come because I had reset and I said, Oh my, I have to take more days just like that anyway. So I'm just hearing it so, so much because it was so recent uh, when you were saying that. And exhaustion and exhaustion and illness are, are your body telling you, hello, Slow down, please. I, I I need a break. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right on. That's exactly what the signal is. People, we always ignore our body. We take our bodies for granted, but our bodies are always talking to us. Yeah, less and less as we get older, but it is true. I still take it for granted too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, number chapter six is practice gratitude, and uh, you know a key con- con- a component of my conception of an optimistic mindset is appreciation. I wonder how much this is similar. What does gratitude look like? So for me, gratitude, I literally do a a gratitude list every day. So Mm -hmm. I'm down to just doing five things I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. per day. And the thing about the gratitude list is sometimes people do it and they say things like, oh, I'm grateful for my house. And it's like, for it to work, you have to be, you have to really think about what you're grateful for. So, so the things that I am grateful for, I'm like, I'm grateful to talk to Matthew today. I'm grateful to, I'm grateful for my podcast audience. I'm grateful for this nice cup of coffee that I had. The, 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 when you, when you do your gratitude and it's so important, it turns, there's no way you can be um, angry and grateful in the same moment. (laughs) And when you are grateful for the things that you have and the things that you want, you'll get more of that. If you're always looking at what you do not have or the opportunities that you missed, you're going to, you're going to stay in that mindset. And so if there's one, if there's one thing that I um, want people to take from my book, if they just had to read one chapter, which by the way, my book is so fast to read (laughs) that chapter, practice gratitude is the most important thing in resilience. It sounded like it to me what I heard there. I love the sound of all that there. Um, how does how does not practicing gratitude hold people back? I think you might have just said so. So if I don't practice gratitude, does it hold me back? So, well, yes. If you do not practice gratitude, it will hold you back. You will be stuck. 
So when you, you, so for example, when it comes to people's careers, people are like, oh, my boss, my boss is um, overlooking me or not giving me opportunities. I can't stand it here. You know, the water cooler talk. The CEO has no idea what he's doing. My boss is dumb, blah, 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 like all these things. And I'm not saying for you just to say, be grateful for your job. Just think of things like be grateful for the opportunity to do, to learn a specific skill set. Be grateful for the opportunity to meet a particular person that you're working with. Be grateful for the opportunity to learn from somebody. Because when you start to practice gratitude, you start to see opportunity. When you don't practice gratitude, all you see is what's what's not working. And you'll get more of what's not working. Thus, you will be stuck. All right. Glad I added that question. All right. Uh, number seven, chapter seven, avoid negative self-talk. Uh, what does negative self-talk look like for a lot of people and why do people do it? Negative self-talk is like, oh, I'm not good enough to start a podcast. Oh, nobody's going to listen to me. I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm going to be I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. I can't run a mile. I'm not smart. Oh, this person is better than me, blah, blah, blah. All the things, all the things you would never say about someone else, but you are happy to say it about yourself. Why will people not say it? You know, they'll love to say about themselves, not about other people. Of course you wouldn't, but you wouldn't. Why? Why is it? It's, it's, it's the strangest thing, but people, people are just kind of, I want to say programs. You're so used to growing up in society and your parents saying, no, don't do that. You did that wrong. Or look at that person. They did this. And the whole comparison thing starts to make you compare yourself to other people. And we're all unique individuals. We all have our own contributions to the world. And when you, when you start comparing pairing yourself to someone else, that's when you start to speak negatively to yourself. And that's why people do it. And it's really about, you know, how we've grown up, like your parents saying, oh, that wasn't fast enough. You should go faster. Or you got to, you got to be, you should have got to get gotten an A. And you just continue that internal dialogue as an adult. And also in corporate America, it happens when you get performance reviews and somehow they remember something you fell short on and they don't praise you enough for the things that you did well. And you latch onto that. The human brain will, brain will latch onto the negative before the positive. Is there, is there any kind of strategy maybe to learn to learn how to recognize that and then avoid it? Because it's all great right now. I agree completely. How do people, I guess we just got to read your book and be conscious of it, I guess, or something. I mean, well, so what I do is, and sometimes people don't like doing this stuff, but I do it and it's worked for me is I come, I find affirmations and I, I will say them. And so affirmations are things like, I am intelligent, or I am worthy of starting a podcast, or I am worthy of people listening to my message. Mm -hmm. And I will do and say these affirmations, whether or not people want to write them down. I say these like when I'm getting, I'm in the shower, you know, if you live with somebody and you just don't want them hearing you talk to yourself. The thing is, is that you can either say it in your head. You're already talking to yourself. And so I don't know why people think it's weird. You're saying negative stuff about yourself. So why not say positive things? But 
you can do it in the shower. You can do it while you're getting ready in the morning, but just saying those things. And the thing is, is that sometimes you don't recognize you're saying negative stuff until you feel bad. So the way I counter it is just have a practice of, of saying affirmative things. Um, okay. And I think I talk about it in my book as well as how to oh. catch yourself on um, when you do say like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not fast enough. <laughs> or Very I'm, good then. Oh, yeah, no, that's perfect. Thanks. All right. Um, so number eight is get help. What kind of help are you talking about here? What does that mean? So in, when you're thinking about resilience, we have this thing in our mind that we have to do everything on our own. And we don't. There are people, we have a network of people, we have a community of people, we have families, we have colleagues, we have all these people around us that can help us. And so I talk about getting help because people have issues like, oh, I want to lose weight or, oh, I want to get promoted. Oh, I want... And they spend all this time trying to do it themselves and they end up frustrated. Mm-hmm. So getting help is asking somebody who's been successful in that area that you're trying to improve in to help you, whether or not it's hiring a coach, whether you are trying to, you know, have a friend. So that's what I mean about getting help in resilience. You have to ask people for help because you're just going to spin. Okay. All right. Number nine, chapter nine is protect your time. Um, do you have any tools for this? And, and of course, why is this important? Give us that. But do you have any specific tools about how to protect your time? So it's important to protect your time because one thing that is finite in this world is time. Like money is always going to come. People are always worried about money, but you're never going to get time back ever. Like yesterday is not coming back. Like, so it's important to protect your time. And what I mean by that is like, be proud of how you're spending it. It Are, you know, are you spending four or five hours a day on social media? Are you spending four or five hours a day gossiping about people? Are you spending 15 hours a day working? Is that how you, is that how you want to spend your time? So that's what I mean by protect your time. Um, be aware of how you're spending it because you're not going to get it back. That's just one thing we're not getting back. And tools that I use, um, I use alarms. Um, So if I'm going to, you know, uh, play around on social media, I'll probably set an alarm to do it for 20 minutes. Uh, When I have a, I, I have a rule that I don't like to talk to people for more than 15 or 30 minutes. So if I have phone calls with people, I always just kind of make sure I, I stay within the 30 minute mark. That's protecting my time because it's, it's all fun to talk to somebody for a whole hour, but I could be doing other things and, or I could be resting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, just another thing that I do is I, I'm an Adam adamant user of my calendar so if it's not in my calendar it's not happening (laughs) right okay um how about this then uh reflect 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 i love the sound of this now how is that different from meditating or resetting or anything so reflection is is one of the things that i did a lot in my um during my time with cancer treatment 
And it was really about asking myself questions. We don't ask ourselves enough questions. We just go, 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 go. And reflection is really about spending time reflecting on how did I get here? What could I have done better? Um, You know, why am I friends with this person? What does this person do for me? Asking those questions. And I have, I have a daily reflection practice, but if that's too much for people, you can have a weekly reflection practice. And that's really just thinking, like having a few questions you ask, like, how did my week go? Did, was it good or bad? Why was it good? What could I have done better? What could I have done what could I have done differently? Um, who got on my nerves? You know, just, you you know, have your own little set of questions. And the more you get used to it, I'm like years into my reflection practice, but um, the more you get used to it, then you'll start to be able to ask yourself more and more questions and reflect right. on that. And then that's how you know whether or not you're going in the right direction in your life or not. That's how you know when it's time to leave your job or or fix some things in your relationship or raise your kids differently. Man, I mean, on top of the gratitude, I'm tempted to say this might be the most important one, but I don't know. It's, I mean, this, it's all that's part number of it. two. That's okay. number two. Is it? Well, there you go. I recognize <laughs> something. Um, number 11 says, get your finances under control. Well, that sounds easy to say. How can we do? <laughs> and, and at what level do you mean? Like, what does it mean to have them under control? I guess. So, um, so people are afraid of this whole finance question because, and I'm speaking from my experience as an American in our education system, we don't talk about personal finance in K through 12 or in college. Mm-hmm. We just don't talk about personal finance. And that. And that is paramount to our living. And that, that, that informs yeah. our stress, that informs everything. Yeah. And, and, the, and if your finances aren't in order, or if you don't even know what they are, then, then how can you be resilient? If like this pandemic that's happened where a lot of people have been out of work, they've had to get on unemployment and all these kinds of things. If they had you know, control over their finances, they, it probably wouldn't be as hard of a blow. And so how do people do that? The, the main thing that I try to tell people is, number one, you have to know how much money you're spending. People don't know how much money they're spending and then they're charging up their cards. And when you, when you are charging your credit cards, you're overspending, full stop. Like full stop, you are overspending and people are, and the thing is, is that once you start getting into credit card debt, you're done because you're going to be paying interest for years and years and years and years and years and years and years years until the end of time. And there's no end in sight. So you have to get control of the amount of money you're spending. And that's like, I don't want to go deep into it, but I feel like that's what I mean is like, know what you're spending, know what your debt is, figure out what you absolutely need and spend that and start cutting down on your debt. Oh yeah. No, that's a whole subject, a whole show, whole book, a whole course. (laughs) And Um, get a financial advisor, but just, I mean, I could go on and on, but I think the main thing is people don't know how much money they spend and they should know. Big time. All right. Uh, Number 12 then is your network creates your net worth. In what way is this true? So, (laughs) 
I like to talk about this because, you know, they have that saying that you are the average of the five people that you are around. Okay. I like it. Um, and I think that's more about my squad. So bookmark yep. that. Let's bookmark that. But I got it. Your, net, the, your network is your net worth is about um, keeping, keeping, nurturing, creating and nurturing your network. Every opportunity that I've had in my life has become come from a network. Mm-hmm. Um, every job that I've had has been because I knew somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's how you make, you'll make money. And that's the easiest way to grow whatever it is you're trying to do, whether or not you're trying to grow your own business, if you're trying to grow your own career. People like to do business with, hire, and interact with people they already know. It's just easier to do that. And so when you when you nurture your network, when you create it, I know a lot of people shy away from it because they feel like, oh, I, I don't have anything to offer. Like, get that out of your mind. Just, just interact. And eventually an opportunity for you to help will come up or an opportunity for you to be helped will come up. And I love it. Okay, so how does one create a valuable network? Because, and observe chapters 13 and 14, 13 is protect yourself from toxic people. 14, be selective about who you keep in your squad. So give us some of that. How can we identify toxic people? Why do people have a hard time ridding themselves of them, et cetera? If that's, okay. I, can you take all that? <laughs> I think I can. All so. right. So in terms of nurturing your network um, or creating a network is, is get to know people at the company that you work with. Um, you don't have to like know everybody, but just be a person who at least is like, hey, how you doing? Like figuring out who you, you connect with and who you don't connect with. Another way to do, to create a network is through LinkedIn also going to once we're you know outside is full open going to networking events mm-hmm. um and even just reaching out to the people you already know and saying hey do you know somebody who does this and mm-hmm. perhaps you know but i think the best way to build your network for me is that I always just keep in mind who does what, and I always refer things out. And people will always see me see me as, oh, Christmas is the person who helps. Mm-hmm. So staying away from toxic people or managing toxic people, well, you recognize toxic people who never have anything good to say. They are always focusing on the bad things. They're never congratulating you about anything. They're always finding the negative and nitpicking. And it's, it's hard to stay away from those people. So you have to, you have to put a boundary up and know when to cut it off. And I mean, some of the easy things that you can do is not engage. I have toxic people in my life. They'll send me crazy text messages and I'll just ignore them. Or if someone wants to, to be negative or down talk some of the things that I'm doing, you know, my YouTube videos or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just say, you know what, I got to go. Um, just protect yourself from that person. Don't engage them. And if you have people around you who are complaining, the best way you can get them to stop complaining to you is say, what are you going to do about this? Mm-hmm. They'll go away. Trust me. Yeah. And keeping a squad. So 
going back to what I mentioned earlier about you are the average of the five people that you are around. If you are trying to grow and, and have a trajectory someplace in your life, you need to be around people who are doing the same thing. And if you're around, if you spend most of your time with people who don't want to change or who are in some stuck in some fixed mindset, you're going to stay right there with them because they're not going to want you to move forward. If you, Adjust the people that you spend your time with who are about moving and shaking and you're like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. They're like, great, I can introduce you to this person or great, I can introduce you to that person or, oh, you should take this course. They're going to advise you and, and, and give you some information that will keep you moving on your trajectory. Wow. Yeah. No, nailed it. Um, and, and there's so much to take out of that. I wouldn't want to highlight one thing, although I'm gonna, um, it's just when you mentioned that idea about asking them, what are they going to do about it? This is something so huge because I just find a lot of people that just want to just knock everything down and say, you know, everybody's got a lot of things to say about what's bad about stuff, but they don't have a positive agenda to put in, in place of it. So if I can, if we can learn to recognize they don't do that, then they're out. Like, I mean, if, if you're being negative because you have a positive agenda and therefore you don't like this thing, of course you can call something out, but they're just, that's just their MO is just being calling stuff, just knocking stuff out. It's nihilistic. Right. So right. I, I was jumping all over that one. Holy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So number chapter 15 is be you, do you, can you summarize that? So this chapter was born out of me realizing that I was chasing a lifestyle that I thought was for me and it wasn't. Um, I wanted to be a consultant, wanted to be a professional. And I started to change who I was. Like I was dressing a certain way. I was, I was just, I was just really trying to conform to what I thought I needed to be, to be successful in that part of my life. And and it led me to misery. And what I learned is I was the happiest when I, when I was myself and I did what I wanted to do. And I know that is so hard because we have influences from our families. Our families are quick to say they're disappointed and, and give their opinions on how you should be living your life. But what I learned is that people might be mad that you decide to do what you want, but you will have the most peace of mind and the happiest you'll ever be if you just do what you want to do and be okay with people being disappointed in that. I mean, they will adjust. And some people, I mean, I know some people have been disowned from their families as a result, but I feel like there is... Um, a trade-off. There's always going to be a trade-off. And and the trade-off that I'm going to choose is I'm going to choose me. As long as I'm not hurting anybody or stepping on anybody else's toes, I'm going to choose me and I'm going to do me and I'm going to be me because that is where I found the most peace of mind in life. Oh, man. All right. Feeling it. Uh, I, I wonder now, so that, that wraps up that. I do have just a couple other concepts that popped up. If you don't mind going into those for a minute would you, that, I, that I would just like to uh, try out on you here um, in the thing you mentioned, <laughs> imposter syndrome. And I've heard that term sometime, but I've never actually discussed it with anybody. I'm really curious, oh. what is imposter syndrome? Why is it so handicapping and how can we avoid it? So imposter syndrome is this nagging 
feeling and this thought that you have in your mind that you are going to be found out as a fraud and that none of the, the none of your talents or your skills are are credited to your success in your life mm-hmm. and 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 it's it goes to that negative self talk so you'll be you'll be thrown into a position at work and you're like oh my god they're going to realize that that I don't know what I'm doing like I'm going to get fired and it what happens is is it starts to create anxiety and stress um, because you're always waiting for that to be found out. Yeah. And so that's, that's like fundamentally what it is. Yeah. Um, I can go, I can talk about it all day. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I, so, well, how can we avoid it? I guess then is it. So I don't really believe that you can avoid it. I believe that you can manage it. Yeah. And um, managing it, uh, there's several things that I do to manage it. There's one, the negative self-talk, um, tr- trying to cut that to a minimum. And when you do get into situations where it starts to overtake you, I've been in situations, especially at work, when I was really high up in my career and I've been asked to do something that I didn't, I had never done before. And I start getting anxious and like, oh my God, they're going to figure me out. They're going to fire me. And one thing, one practical thing that I do is I have a list of all of my accolades and every contribution I've made and all the success I've had. And I go to that and remind myself, this is you. This is not somebody else. This is you. And so that's, that's some, that's a tool I use like in the moment to get myself um, back together. Um, another thing with, um, that you can do is like, what, what do you know to be true? Sometimes our minds, well, a lot of times our minds, um, lie to us, our thoughts just go out of control. And it's like, if you make a mistake, are they going to fire you? Okay. It just depends on what kind of mistake it is, but no, you know what I mean? Like if you're, you know, if you're like, at a financial institution and you wire like a billion dollars to somebody, they'll probably fire you. Um, But go back to what you know to be true. Do you, like in the past, have you been able to figure things out on your own? In the past, have have you used your skills or have you found ways to solve problems? So that's another tool is to go back to what you know to be true. So what do you mean uh, when you say that people confuse the idea of one's purpose as a destination and not a journey? So people think that they, it's like my purpose is to be CEO of a company. Like that is my purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And so they stay laser focused on this purpose as if it is a straight line, as if they're taking a trip from California to New York, and they're just going to go diagonally straight all the way across the country and get, and just get to that place. And that's just it. And, and, and that's not, and that, and, and with that mindset is when you create stress, it's when you create anxiety, it's when you create unnecessary stuff in your head, because What really happens is you may start driving from California 
and then you have to take a right turn into Arizona. And then you may have to go back to California. You may have to go, then you go back to, out, you leave California again and then go through Nevada. So my, my point is, is that it's, your purpose is more of a journey and it's going to take you all different directions. And when you understand that, then you'll have more peace. You'll have less stress. You're like, okay, for me to be CEO, I need to do this particular task or job for six months for one year, or I may need to step out of this particular industry and do this for however long until I can move to up the ladder. I think that we have these expectations and I don't know why that career trajectory is just a straight line and it's not. And that, yeah, big time. I'm trying to tell my students that all the time. Um, Now on this thing that I guess it being a purpose, it's more about then, is this related to the idea of presence then? You have to to kind of redefine your purpose as my journey is my purpose because then you can enjoy what's going on all the time because you're never going to almost potentially never reach your destination. So you'll, so in that way, is that why it has to be the journey is the purpose? Is that? Yes, yes. The journey is the purpose and, mm-hmm. and, and you have to stay present. Because you're right, you'll never get there. You'll wake up one day and you're old, you know, in your 80s, 90s, where you're not pursuing career the way you yeah. you were in your 30s, and and that's and that's where you are. And so you present being present is is the way to do it, and enjoying the process and learning from the process. All right. So if people are confusing this idea of their careers, their purpose, you're saying the purpose is something else. How can we align those? purpose and career? So the way I align purpose and career is like figure out what it is that you really like doing. And so the thing about careers are this. So people are like, well, I want to be an accountant. I want to be a coder. I want to do this. I want to do that. But what are you really doing in that role? You know, some people, I want to be a creative. And what people are doing in different roles are pretty much the same. You may have to get a definite, you may need to get a specific technical skill Mm -hmm. to do certain things, but you might need, you you don't, in terms of what you're actually doing may not be different. For an example, Mm -hmm. I particularly like to teach. And so I don't need to go into a classroom and teach. I, I can teach in accounting. I, I teach younger people below me. Mm-hmm. When I was an accountant, I used to teach the, the younger class. I used to also teach trainings. So you have to figure out like, what do you fundamentally like doing? And there are not very many things that are different to do. There's teaching, there's, you know, advocacy, there's being a politician and you don't need to be in politics to be a politician. CEOs are politicians. You know what I mean? There are people who are, who like to care, be caretakers. You don't necessarily need to be um, in a daycare to be a caretaker. You can actually be a caretaker in an office. So you have to think about what are the things that you fundamentally love doing because that's really what your purpose is where you apply it in the workplace is different 
Like CEO is not a purpose. No. You know what I mean? Like see being a CEO is a person who wants to advocate to some major change in the world and have people come in and purchase it from them mm-hmm. and 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 change lives and that's not that's not like that's not a destination no. unless that's what you really want to do you know what i mean i got it yeah we got to more fundamentally define what are we about and that can be it can manifest itself in many different places it doesn't have to be this job or that one it can be in many other things so I, i'm feeling that Big time. Right. Um, how about this then? I mean, I, I say like I have to teach university students and I'm talking about career all the time with them. Um, do you have any hard practical advice for young people or anyone, um, you know, starting out on their career or perhaps someone seeking a new career? Oh, I love, I love these topics too, career. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I saw, I noticed that and I thought, wow, it could be a whole show. I thought, but I just like, I have to get you, I don't want to spread you too thin today, but I thought I got to get some of this out of it. Right. But of right. course, <laughs> and of course what we'll do is we'll refer people to more where they can find out more as well on top. But I mean, let's, let's get into some of it though. I want to discuss this for yeah. a little bit if we can. And yes. And also if you want to bring me back, I'm happy to come back too. <laughs> so what do I like to tell? I actually spoke to some university students um, about a month ago and they were like, oh my God, you're so, you're so real and so raw. <laughs> so what I, the advice I have for people who are either trying to switch careers or just going into their career is like, just get into your job and get to know what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Let go of expectations of of being, um, of getting promoted like the next year. What I've learned or noticed with people who are just starting their career, they're trying to be CEO. They're trying to get promoted to manager in two years. And (laughs) what they're missing is you need work experience. You don't know nothing. And you're not going to learn any, you're not going to learn what you need to know in two years. You're not going to learn it in one year. You're not going to learn it in two. You're not going to learn it in five years. So relax and don't be hard on yourself. There's this thing where you come into the workplace and you set this expectation of being promoted every year because, you know, younger generation is used to getting accolades all the time and it takes time. And you're going to, you're just going to need to just learn and not be hard on yourself and just get all the good nuggets you can get out of it. That's really like the number one thing I would tell people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get to work, isn't it? I mean, get to do something, right? I mean, I, I like, I tell my students that kind of thing too. I'm like, you're not going to get in, come out, you're not going to graduate from here and then get into that job that you want. you got to just take a job, right? And then see what's going on. Learn something there. You might find that you, you you enjoy something that you didn't even know you enjoyed. And you, or you learn something, oh, you know, I really like doing this, or I'm very good at this. And I didn't know it. And, uh, and that's actually where you're going to become, you know, to build your value is by getting to work. So that's what right. I heard out of that. Right. And, and, and get out of the career. If you find that you don't like what you're doing, then get out of it immediately. Don't keep going. Um, just, just keep, and, and that's okay. It's okay to try things and know and learn that it doesn't work for you Mm -hmm. than to not try at all. 
I guess uh, we can hold on there. I mean, I get a, I haven't thought too deeply about the career. Maybe I'll have to uh, have do invite you back, and then I'll, I'll ser- certainly think a lot more about how I want to uh, get on this, get the most out of you on that. So, um, how about that then? Um, I'm going to ask you where people can go, uh, you know, find you and all that. But just is there a final word or something else that I didn't bring up that you would like to say um, in terms of that? Um, what I love telling people is that to be uniquely you, be confidently and unapologetically yourself, you are a unique person to this world and you have a lot to offer. I find that most people that come into my, you know, atmosphere, who I'm coaching, who I'm mentoring are always discounting and second guessing themselves. And I've been there myself. And I want you to just give yourself more credit than you, than you already give yourself. Like there's like, like way, 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 way more credit. Like not a little bit, but way, 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 way more credit. You're doing well and don't let anybody tell you any differently. The fact that you are trying and even listening to a podcast means that you want more for yourself and that, and that's okay. And that's great. Man. Well, Christmas, that, this is, this is great. Let me say to listeners, I mean, I'm just uh, very excited about this. Enjoy myself so much. I'm sure you guys have, and I know, you know, someone who could get a lot of benefit out of this and, and by hearing Christmas and just even feeling good after talking to her. Um, you know, so please share with that person and share with anybody. Um, you can also ask questions, of course, make comments uh, in the comments section where you're listening. Um, you can go to the Mr. Brightside Facebook page, of course, facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. Christmas, where should people go if they want to connect directly with you? Or would you care to direct them anywhere uh, to learn about your work? So you can uh, connect with me on Instagram at uh, the real, real, sorry, at real Chrissy TV. Also, you can see my work at my website. It is real TV.com. And you can uh, listen to my podcast. It's called the real, I'm sorry. It's called the Chrissy TV podcast. All right. And we'll have all that for everybody um, in the links, in the show notes. Okay, well, Christmas, I'll tell you what, I, I, we kept it past the 30 minutes, and I, I hope you didn't think you wasted your time. Uh, I certainly, uh, it was a time well spent for me, and I just had a lot of fun and got a lot of value out of it as well. So I very much appreciate you coming on. Um, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. I hope that your listeners um, get some good nuggets and it improves their life somehow. All right. I think they'll have to. Um, and back to listeners, um, I don't know what else to say on top of it, but uh, all but Christmas said, uh, self-preservation is paramount. We must take care of ourselves if we're to have anything of value to offer the job market and other people. So be you, do you. I'll see you guys next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side. 